really like. Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. now, now. We're back on another edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm the publisher of Trojansports.com, Chris Swanson. I'm joined by Adam Maya, our beat writer. Adam, it's been a while since we've spoken. Um, I was a little sick. I guess I'll take all the blame for uh, for the delay in the show. We apologize for that, but we're back. We're excited, and we have a lot to cover because USC won the Pac-12 and uh, just barely missed the playoffs. Okay. You're fine, barely. <laughs> By, like, four spots or something. All right. So it's worth talking about, though. Are you fired up? I'm fired up. Yeah, I'm fired up. Okay. I, I think there's a bigger than injustice here, but... Not maybe the one that some people might be thinking of. Ooh, do tell. Okay. So we've talked before about the need to put every conference champion into the final tournament. Really because there's just so many imbalances among the conferences and the scheduling among those conferences. Now, we never expected USC to make it into the Final Four, even if they had won out after losing Notre Dame. I felt like that was an elimination game for them. But it does seem unfair that that isn't the case for a lot of other teams, where they could lose, they can lose after USC. And, and, you know, I think just as bad a fashion in some respects, especially when you get Ohio State, who didn't make the Final Four, but, you know, they they were definitely in the conversation for it. And a lot of people felt like, or feel like, they should be number four. Now, we're seeing USC falling out of the top six, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. That's just weird that they're one of the Power Five conference champions, and not a three-lock champion, Stanford would have been a three-loss champion. USC's a two-loss champion. They didn't lose to bad teams. They lost to two three-loss teams. Both on the road. They're not even close to the Final Four. I think that it sets a precedent here where the Pac-12 isn't even... They're almost not part of the Power Five, right? I mean, like they're they're like a super group of five conference. At least that's how they're being viewed yeah. by the committee with this ranking, where they're they're behind people that that didn't win their conference, people that lost their conference title game. They're not even in the neighborhood of being in the Final Four. 
Yeah, um, I I think you're right on. I think that the the issue was that you know, again, the reason why we feel like all these teams should be in is because you really don't know which conference is the best. You know what I mean? We can guess, we can watch the games and look at records and speculate, but you really don't know. My in my opinion, I thought the Pac-12 was really bad this year. I think that that's why. Um, the the committee looked at them that way uh and i think too the pac-12 is also just at a disadvantage where if you look at all the other conferences they all have more name programs that are powers so i think right off the bat you know it's pac-12 might be deeper might have you know uh might lack the really bad teams year in and year out or whatever else but if you look at all these other conferences, it's like, oh, you know, the SEC on top of Alabama has Tennessee and then a bunch of teams that win titles at different uh, parts of, you know, uh, college football history. And so it seems like that's a really deep conference. And the ACC has Florida State, Miami, Clemson now because they've come up. Big Ten has Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska. You know what I mean? It's just like just feels like the Pac-12 doesn't have those top-end teams to be viewed that way. And it felt like this year, USC was never in, like, a big game that felt like it would decide the playoffs. The Notre Dame game felt that way. It turned out Notre Dame wasn't that team, and maybe USC wasn't either as they lost that game 49-14. to But every other team that's in this conversation felt like they had that elimination game, that game where it's like, oh, this will decide who really is the top and Pac-12 doesn't have that. It's a problem uh, for them. I, I think that USC might have benefited if Washington had been Stanford. Maybe that would have been able to kick them up a little bit more. But it really felt like, you know, USC's opportunities this year to prove themselves were in two games against Stanford. Now it's four losses and lost to a Mountain West team. And Notre Dame, who turned out wasn't the elite of the elite, which is what Notre Dame usually turns out to be. So I think they did schedule Texas, but they went 6-6 six and six and they haven't been good or whatever. So it just feels like unless USC hits out of conference, unless Notre Dame's really good or they, you know, they schedule a team like Texas and they are really good that year, they're going to be at a disadvantage every year Yeah, uh, in, in, the, in the way the college football playoff committee views their conference. Is the, the conference is viewed, like you said, it's like the super Mountain West. That's what it feels like. It's like Mountain West that's a little bit better. And then there's USC. Who's, you know, nobody denies that they're a super team or whatever, you know what I mean? But they're the one. There's no one else there that's going to help them jump in to this conversation. It's going to be a problem every year unless they go undefeated, maybe with one loss. And actually, we saw that under Carroll, too, right? In the BCS, when it was, when it was only two teams. Felt like almost every year under Pete Carroll, you could argue that USC should have been in the championship game. And they didn't get in, except for one year. Right? Well, a couple. They, went, they had to go undefeated. Yes, yes. That was the only way they yeah. got in. They, they went undefeated, they got in, and then every time they lost one game, right? Yeah. It felt like, oh, you could argue that they should be in. Sure. And they didn't get in. Yeah. And this is an extension of that. It's they, Yeah, there's two more teams. So now USC is not going to get in unless they beat the resume of the bottom two teams or whatever, unless it's like clear that their record is better than, than everyone else. They're not going to get in. It's the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a problem every year. In fact, this season... I'm not confident that had USC beaten Wazoo, that's kind of the game that a lot of people would point to because they did barely lose. Had they won that game, I don't know that they're number four right now ahead of I don't Alabama. Think they are. I, I think they probably would have been fifth, which we shouldn't be wondering that. I think that that should have made them automatic. 
And yet, I, I don't. I'm right now. I'm looking at what the committee's done, and I'm thinking USC probably isn't number four, even had it been twelve and one, with a Cologne defeat coming at Notre Dame. Yeah, I I would guarantee. I would. I I'm serious. I feel so confident that they would have picked Alabama over USC if USC had been Washington State. I really because you just you just look at it. You know, and I know that USC won a conference title and all that, but if you really look at it, it's like Alabama lost one game to Auburn, who's in the top eight. You know, yeah. USC didn't have that schedule. They didn't have that opportunity, that high-end game to prove it. So it's like, yeah, Alabama failed that test. They almost didn't. USC never had a chance to pass a test like that. And then if they have been Washington State, you know, you you look at the schedule now. Washington State's eight and four, and it's like, so who did USC beat? It's still the same thing. They beat Stanford. They played Notre Dame and got blown out. I think they would have picked Alabama over them. I wouldn't have been surprised if they picked Ohio State over them anyway. Honestly, you know, it just just because they they had more of these top end games. I think that's what matters. I think that that's those games are what resonate to to not only the committee but just college football fans in general. You know what I mean? Those are the games outside of your team that you get excited about or that you want to watch. And USC only had one game this year that was that way, and it was when they played Notre Dame. That was the one game. And, and, it, and I, it's unfortunate that it went the way it did. You know it what? did. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to just keep going here. I'm not sure. Let's say they beat Notre Dame and okay. they lost to Wazoo. Let's just flip okay. the scenario. Yeah, I'm not Still sure. Still 12-1. Over all of it. I'm yeah. not sure because I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been. I think they should be in a 12-1. Let me make that clear. Okay. Yeah, that, definitely. That's me what I'm too. saying. That's an injustice. But I, I'm not sure that had they beaten Notre Dame and lost to Wazoo, right, and they're 12-1, that the committee doesn't look at the two losses and say, well, Alabama lost to Auburn, who we yep. think this much of, and USC lost to Wazoo, who we think this of. And we're going to go with Alabama. Yep. And I think you're right again because the other thing that would have happened is I mentioned before it felt like Notre Dame-USC was the one big stage game. Well, now that doesn't really feel as, as big of a stage because Notre Dame kind of fell apart. They're 9-3. and three. Well, if USC had beaten Notre Dame, Notre Dame would be 8-4. and four. Right. So now that game just becomes, oh, Notre Dame's not that good. USC should have beaten them. Now USC has no big stage game. Yeah. And, and that, that's where I feel like these things are being unfairly used against them because they have 10 games already planned on their schedule yeah. every year. They have the nine conference who they can't control what happens with the, with the Pac-12 and whether their opponents are having a great year or not. And then they have Notre Dame. That's their 10. And then among the other two, they schedule fairly aggressively. You know, you look at Texas and Western Michigan yeah. Find me another school that played Notre Dame, uh, the caliber of Notre Dame, Texas, and Western Michigan in their in three non-conference games when the majority of the conferences have four and they use one of them for like a FCS opponent and USC doesn't have that FCS opponent. They have nine conference games. They, they have circumstantially one of the most difficult, arduous uh, treks of anyone in the nation because oh, they have the nine because they have Notre Dame and because they typically don't go cupcake with the other two. And, and yeah. really it just, 
ended up being used against them because none of them ended up going 11-1 and one or whatever. None of their opponents did. And so now you end up with a resume where USC goes 11-0 and 0 against teams with four losses or more, but 0-2 against teams with three losses. They can't yeah. control that. But that's ended, that, that ended up being the case for them. You know, that, that's what the resume shows. And that's out of their control. But I don't think there was much credence given to the fact that they played 12 in a row. They were the only one. After week 12, if you look at the, the top 25, they were the only team that had played 12 games. Yeah. The only one in the entire country. I don't think the selection committee cared that they didn't have a bye. No. I don't think the selection no. committee cared that they played nine conference games. And I don't think a committee cared that they had to play back-to-back row games with a second one being on a short week on the road. No. Friday night. No, they can't get that into it. You know what I mean? They can't get that in depth into it. I really don't think. I think that at the end of the day, right, they're just, to me, this is what I'm thinking, they're just looking at the records and looking at who they beat and who they lost to. And then they're ranking the, the conferences. So yeah, the Pac-12 exactly. being fifth of the five, again, their opinion, not mine, the Pac-12 being fifth of five, then you have to really stand out in that Pac-12. You basically have to go undefeated. Yeah. And I, I thought one loss would be automatic, and now be, given that Alabama was selected over even Ohio State, who I know they view as a, a better conference in the Pac-12, the Big Ten that is, now I wonder, had USC gone 12-1, and one, would they have made it? I don't no, think, I think so. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. You can't pick that. You know, you can't think they're going to pick USC over Alabama. That's a problem. Twelve one. Well, I mean, let's. It, and again, I know I've said this before, but it's so similar to the BCS where it feels like really like okay, if there were multi, if there were five undefeated teams and USC is one of them, and and right, and there's four other Power Five conference teams that are undefeated, USC wouldn't get in, right? If it's one loss. If they all t- have one loss, USC wouldn't get in. They all have two losses, USC wouldn't get in. So you're basically in a situation where USC has to be undefeated to be ranked number one, or they're not going to be ranked high enough. Because one loss will eliminate you. You know what I mean? Like maybe there are certain years where they where that doesn't happen, right? Maybe there are certain years where well, last where, year, last year if they would have just lost to Alabama, they would be in. You know, had they yeah. gone twelve and one in that season. Which I, I think they could have done uh, if a quarterback decision was a little bit different. Which we, we should kind of touch upon at some point again, because you got Sam Darnold for two years and maybe only two, and that was your window. And now, you know, they're not playing for a national title, despite what they had at quarterback. Yeah, and at running back. But but so yeah. even last year, at losing to Alabama. If they had won out from there, then they would have gotten in because the Alabama loss would have been forgiven. But we're seeing that the Wazoo loss isn't forgiven, even though it was just a few points. And Wazoo was good. They weren't great, but they were good. And this game was on the road. And it was in a short week. That, that, that loss was not forgiven by the committee. And now even losing to Notre Dame wasn't forgiven. Even though Notre yeah. Dame was good this year, and that and that was on the road, and I guess what my problem is is okay. Let's just talk about Alabama for a moment. Do I think Alabama's one of the top four teams? 
Probably. Yeah. Do I think they're better than USC? Yeah. Right? Yes. But yes. in terms of resume, is it better? I don't know. Uh, because, again, we're just assuming that the SEC is better when we don't know that. But Alabama plays 11 games a year. Literally. They they play 11 regular season games a year. I'm not counting Mercer. I, I refuse to, to acknowledge that. Yeah. It, Mercer is not Oregon State, who is awful, right? But, but Mercer is yeah. not even that. And so Alabama gets to play 11 games a year and only eight conference games. And, and they avoid they avoid a lot of the strong teams in the other division because of that round robin that the SEC is in, where USC can't, like, they play Stanford every year. They're going to play either a Washington or Oregon every year. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is is these conferences have more teams and less conference games than the Pac-12. So mathematically, they will all have better records. Yeah. They all will. It, it right. is impossible to avoid. Because of the they four, will all have better records. Uh, four non-conference yeah. games that they get. It, it's, and there's more teams. They play eight of 14 yeah. in the SEC. It, it, so they have these years where they dodge a lot of the stronger teams. Yeah, and, and so you end up having four teams with ten wins or whatever, and they didn't play each yeah, other. Yeah, so it makes everyone look better. Yeah. It's smart. I mean, the Pac-12 should do that, right? In this system, in the system we're in now, yeah, the Pac-12 should do that. They should expand, and then they should eliminate a conference game. Yeah, but what <laughs> what the college football playoff committee should do is understand that that all of this is opinion. Everything we're talking about is opinion. Look, I think the Pac-12 is the worst Power Five conference this year. I do. I really do. I'm confident in that in saying that too. But it's an opinion. I can't argue that it's a fact. Right? No, we, we can't. It, that, they that's could, why I think they, the cold system is stupid. Exactly. Because we don't know. They could all play. They could all go to bowl games, and the Pac-12 could go 6-0 in bowl games and blow out every team. And we'd go, oh, wow, they're not as bad as we thought. We still don't know. No. So why, so why do we do this? Why do we have a system where we're determined... And we call it a national champion, like the best in the country, right? Like that is the term we throw out there. Yeah. And we don't know. We literally every year do not know who the best team in the country is. And all we'd have to do to figure this out is to just take all the conference champions. Yeah. Because then you probably know. I'm not even saying it would be perfect, right? But you I would probably know. I don't see it the would... flaw. Okay. Yeah. There... Take this season. Yeah. Okay. You, you get... Out of eight, you get your five, and then Alabama would be in there. Like they, yep. they would just be the next team because you'd have room for three at largest. Yep. And then I, I, I even like the fact that a group of five undefeated team like Central Florida would be rewarded because currently, as it stands, they don't have a path. Yeah. And do I know that Central Florida couldn't play with, let's say, Ohio State right now? No. I think they, they probably could. And but but they're viewed on such different levels that they have no chance. Yeah, again, you don't know because we've seen teams before. Yeah, right. We've seen that team go in and play a, ga- a game against an Ohio we've State. We've seen and Utah beat Alabama. Utah was yeah. essentially a group of five. Exa- it was exactly pre, you know, group of five, power five delineation. But we've seen Utah smoke Alabama. Yep. In the last decade. 
And then we saw Georgia blow out Hawaii. So you never know. That's the point. You don't know, right? But Boise beat Oklahoma, you know, and Utah also beat Pitt, and there's all these other examples. So it's just like, why don't they have a chance? They're undefeated. Yeah. So I'm totally with you. It just seems so silly. It just seems so silly that we're still at this point. in co- it's, it's 2017. We've been playing college football for, what, since 1860-something? <laughs> I just don't think it's that point? complicated... Uh, well, it's not because everybody else does it. There's D3 playoffs. There's D2 playoffs. Yeah, right. There's high school football playoffs. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's the only thing. It's the only one. that I know there's playoffs now, right? But they're not really well, playoffs. We've got merit That's the problem. Well, it's just, it, I call it a, it's a plus one, right? That's the most accurate description is because it's basically the BCS with one more game. So there's less controversy than there used to be. That's what it is. Maybe more. And, I don't know. Well, I, maybe. I yeah. Maybe. I noticed. I mean, okay, so Chris Hawkins uh, made a strong statement the other night, right after USC won the Pac-12 title game, which I understand. I I agree with him in many respects. Again, even though I didn't even see USC in the top four conversation, but he said if they're considering Ohio State, I don't understand how you can't consider us. And he, he continued to say, they lost to unranked Iowa, got demolished by them. We got more top 40 wins. Our schedule is harder. If you're going to consider them, why not consider us if we got the same record? Is it because of the hype? Do you like J.K. Barrett more than Sam? I just want to know, do you like Urban Meyer more than you like Clay? I would love to know why we aren't being considered and they are. Well, you know what's scary? Yes, Ohio State was being considered. But they didn't get in. Yeah. This is really bad for USC. I was thinking, you know what? I know you want to be in, but if you're not going to get in, you should be hoping that Ohio State gets in over Alabama. Oh, yeah. Because now it's saying we don't even care that you won the conference. Yep. And and also, uh, Alabama and Georgia didn't play each other. So this is what bothers me going back to, to you know, the whole – the SEC has 14 teams, eight conference games, is that why is that the fo- – why is the college football playoff committee have to have them play each other to figure out which one's the best team? <laughs> why didn't the SEC figure that out in its championship? You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't make sense to me. It's like they, we don't really know, right? They're ranked three and four. I know Georgia won the SEC championship game, but we don't really know who the better team is. They're from the same conference. Why is that happening? Why is that allowed to happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, because again, for, hey, Pac-12, right? Expand to 14 and schedule eight conference games. Because basically the SEC just said, well, we won't figure it out that well. Yep. And you can figure it out. You can punish us for it or you, or you don't have to. And the college football playoff committee said, yeah, we're not going to punish you for that. Yeah, they rewarded them. Yeah. So... Why would you work to figure out who the best team in your conference is? What you should do is make as many best teams in your conference as possible. You should have six teams that are undefeated and just go, oh, here you go, playoff committee. Put some of them in. Yeah, right? Well, yeah, and the Pac-12 will give the opposite. I'm going exactly. to reiterate this. USC, obviously, we know, didn't have a bye until after it played its 12 regular season games. 
But then even Washington State and Colorado, I know they weren't in this discussion of, you know, Final Four and college football playoff, but just look at the fact that two other teams, uh, last year Colorado was in the top ten and Wazoo was on the edge of it for parts of the season. So they matter. You, you need other teams to be good. Well, they didn't have their bye until they put, after playing 11 games. And in Stanford, who's a perennial contender for the conference title and sometimes contender for the Final Four, they played one game, had a bye, and then played 11 in a row before the conference title game. So there's four teams right there who are put in a position to fail by the conference. You're weakening your own conference. Who, again, already the perception is that it's the weakest to the Power Five. And that perception now is driving the reality. Yeah, and the perception, again, is just based on how many top-end teams you have in your conference and nothing else. Because the Pac-12, like you just stated, schedules a road that makes it hard. It's hard to get through the Pac-12 unscratched, undefeated. I would think if Alabama was in the Pac-12, I think they'd probably be the best team. I think they'd probably lose a game in the Pac-12 because, again, they're playing nine conference games, and they're right if they had USC scheduled, no buy, right? Same thing for Ohio State, Clemson, any of these teams. It's a hard road. They yeah. just don't have the top-end teams. So, But it doesn't matter to anybody else. Everybody else only cares about having the top-end teams. So if I was the Pac-12... I would try to expand immediately. I'd go to the Big 12 and try to steal all their teams. If that didn't happen, I'd be like, okay, UNLV, uh, Nevada, San Diego State, Fresno State, San Jose State, Boise, you're all in. And let's play seven conference games. Let's even make it worse. Let's go to seven. <laughs> really? And do you think, think about it, if USC in their schedule, you know, instead of having, let's say, instead of Oregon State and Washington State, they played, uh, you know, Fresno State and San Diego State. Yeah. And they went 11-1. and one. Do you think anybody would look at their schedule and say, oh, they're not as good because they, instead of playing Washington State and Oregon State, they played these two teams that used to be in the Mountain West? No, no one would care. Utah used to be in the Mountain West. Nobody says anything about it now, right? Yeah. It doesn't make any that difference. That wouldn't be the problem, right? No, I mean, well, the, the so, loss would be the problem, though. I, exactly, I just think they're in my, a tough spot. They're in a tough spot, but I'm saying if I was the Pac-12, I'd figure out, hey, how do we, how do we, if we can't change this perception that we're the weakest conference, and let's say we go try to get Oklahoma and it doesn't work, so we can't change it by getting a big power team, what should we do to help ourselves? Make the conference road easier because it's hard, and anybody that follows Pac-12 football knows it's hard. It's a hard conference path. Make it easy. Yeah. If everybody thinks you're the worst power conference team, be the worst power conference schedule then. Be it. Embrace it. It will help your teams more. Yeah, I, I think this is complicated. I, I'm reminded of a few years back when TCU was like out and they were 11-1 and one and they were ranked number three in the penultimate ranking. And then they dropped to number six the Big 12 didn't have a conference title game at that point. Yeah. And so they were dropped for not being a uh, undisputed conference champion. They basically were tied with, with Baylor, who they had lost to, by I think a point. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's the Big 12, who is probably the number four 
Power Five conference right now. Yeah. In terms of the way that the committee would see the Power Five, they're probably number four. They were eleven and one. I'm not sure. I, I again, if they're not going to change it from four to eight, then I think a Pac-12 has to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, change the way that well, they, they do things. Well, they do too because you talk. You also you talk about which the like the rankings of the conference in the mind of the the playoff committee, right? And to me, I really think football is so southern driven that it's SEC number one by far. Right. Well, they just got two in, and three were in the running. One of them had two losses already, but would have been a lot to make it with a conference title. While another one of them didn't win their division or their conference. The two that actually made it didn't even play each other. Go through their two representatives. Okay, and then I think that the Big Ten is next because they're probably the next biggest yeah. moneymaker. But they're so far behind the SEC in terms of consideration that it's like not even really close. And then I think the ACC is close to them because I think that when the ACC has teams like Clemson, you know, like that high-end team, yeah. it's basically the SEC all yes. of a sudden. So you base you have a scenario where there's they're trying to figure out the four teams and every team that comes out of the South is going to get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the Big Ten is probably their number two priority, and the Big Ten just didn't get a team in. Right, then you get a team in. That's their number, the number two, two priority. Yeah. How could the Pac-12 ever raise its status enough to be in a situation where the only way to guarantee somebody's not getting into the playoffs is to go undefeated? They have to go undefeated, and there's no way to change that. It's the only guarantee. Well, every year is a little bit different. I yes. do believe last year had USC been able to play in the Pac-12 title game and beating Washington and been 11-2, and two, they would have been the number four team. Because I think just, so, too. That's where the chips fell in that season. But I made this point before the year began. I think that was an exception. I think that there are going to be very, 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 very few years in which – a two-loss Pac-12 champion could get in, and they would be number four. And and right now, USC isn't even close to number four. Yes. With with the conference championship. They're they're ranked essentially where they were last year when they ended the year nine and three. Mm -hmm. Because in a way, right, the Washington game last year was more important than winning the conference to the playoff committee. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, that's a bit, that's a name team that you beat. You handed Washington their only loss. Yeah. That was more impressive to them. I even understand that. Um, when I was talking about going undefeated, I was talking about guarantees. So my thing is, is that to guarantee that you're in the playoffs for the Pac-12 and, and maybe for most any other conference, but it's definitely for the Pac-12, is to go undefeated. The SEC, on the other hand, the conference champion is guaranteed regardless yeah. of their record. Yeah, yeah you don't, Regardless of their record, right. the conference champion from the SEC will get in. And then because of everything we've talked about from the, the way their conference schedule is and the number of teams and what the playoff committee is looking for, wins over other teams with good records, named teams with good records, and overall record that's, that's more important than a conference championship. Yeah. The SEC is really almost guaranteed to get two teams in every year because they will get – think about it. The conference champion, and then the team that misses the conference championship is guaranteed, almost guaranteed to have an incredibly good record and be ranked very highly because they're missing the other teams. Yeah. They're not playing all these other teams. I mean, look at the history of the SEC, right? 
you have these conference champions that won all these BCS championships, and then you have these teams that didn't win that get in or play for it or are close to playing for it every year, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, Alabama and LSU played each other for a national championship that Alabama won when Alabama didn't win their division and didn't play in the conference championship game. Georgia back in 2005, I think, was number three when the polls came out, when the BCS was decided. It was like LSU 2 or – wait, no, jo- no, Al, I forget who went that year, actually. But I remember Georgia was, like, right there, right, despite not having the record. it's There's so many examples of the SEC is in in these four. If there's if there's a top four, there's such a chance that they're going to get two in. And it needs to – that's why you need to go to eight. Because if you're going to guarantee that, there needs to be there needs to be two other, <laughs> you know, right, like non-qualified, non-automatic qualifiers because of the championship. You need to balance it out. Because right now, everything favors the SEC so heavily that it's like an echo chamber. It will continue to. Like, they cannot not be the best conference because you just put them in the playoffs every year. You put them in the championship game every year, right? It's like it's been decided. It's been decided they're the best, even though we don't know, even though there's no evidence, yeah. even though we can't know these things. It's just been decided, and we're still dealing with that. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, okay, let's talk about USC, Ohio State. By the way, we're recording live Sunday morning. USC is number eight in the CFP rankings. And we know they'll be playing Ohio State. We're just not sure if it's going to be in the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. I've talked to USC, and they expect it'll be the Fiesta Bowl. They did say, however, that there's an outside chance that it could be the Cotton Bowl. And so we, we could see both USC and Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, they might want to move Ohio State out of the Fiesta Bowl as well because they've been in a, in a bunch of them. So uh, that's kind of a neutral area for both of them. Um, either way, it's it's kind of a traditional Rose Bowl, and uh, that's the matchup that we're going to get. We just don't know where it is yet. Okay. That That's the game that when it was apparent that USC would not make the Final Four, I was rooting for. I don't want to see them play Wisconsin. I just don't really care to see that game. Yeah. I think beating Ohio State makes a way bigger statement for USC. I think it just would benefit the program yep. uh, to play them and then to beat them. In fact, I think beating Ohio State in a Fiesta Bowl would maybe resonate even more than beating Penn State in the Rose Bowl. I completely agree. Ohio State's such a big name team, right? They're even though they're not right, they didn't go undefeated, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Feels like every year they're in that conversation for a national championship and they're like maybe one of two teams that feels that way, right? It feels like Alabama and Ohio State. And that's been going on for years. I mean, it's pretty much been that way. I think one year they went they lost like four games when Jim Tressel was there. <laughs> but pretty much since their title in two thousand two Every year, they're in the conversation for potentially being the best team in the country. So I think that would be huge because they also they are that top end team. They're they're ranked fifth, I believe, and they just missed the playoffs. I think that also gives USC an opportunity to prove that you know the playoff rankings were wrong. Now again, I don't think USC should have made the playoffs this year. But like last year, remember last year Ohio State uh, made it over Penn State. It was very controversial, right? 
And then Ohio State fell so badly in that opening game that Penn State had the opportunity, if they had been USC, to really get this dialogue going of, did Penn State deserve to go instead? Were they one of the best teams? Maybe if Penn State had been USC by 50 points or something, right? Were they the best team in the country? It gives you this opportunity to create an argument. So what I look at is if this game for this game against Ohio State is that opportunity for USC. If USC could beat Ohio State by 40 points, right? If they just blow them out of the water, and I know that USC's schedule this year and their history this year in games doesn't show that they'll do that. But let's say it happens. Yeah. And in the first game, uh, Alabama, you know, can't score and they lose like 17 to nothing or something like that. Then all of a sudden, you have USC even though they won't win the national title and even though you know they won't have the record to say our record was better or the same as the eventual national champion, they'll have an argument for we should have been in there. Maybe USC was the best team this year. And that kind of goes back to the old Pete Carroll thing where it felt like yeah. every year, hey, maybe USC was the best team. We're getting screwed by the playoff committee. We're getting screwed by the BCS. It creates this conversation that I think allows for USC supporters and fans. And, you know, I think it helps with when they recruit and they can pitch this kind of thing. Cause again, right. There's no science to disprove it. Yeah. We're the best team. And I think that beating Ohio state in the Fiesta bowl, even though it's not the playoffs really gives USC the opportunity to claim that because there is no undisputed best team this year. There is no team that, that looks unbeatable, that looks perfect, that has the first perfect resume. And if USC blows out Ohio State, that could be the best win anybody's had all year. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. It's so subjective right now that they need to reshape the perception of what they are and establish that they're above the Pac-12. Like, I think a lot of people viewed them a decade ago. I don't think 10 years ago when USC was rolling or, you know, 12, 13 years ago, uh, that people felt like they were a pretender. You know, even if they thought the Pac-10 wasn't great. You know, I think of 2004 when yeah. they left Cal out of, uh, what was it, um, of the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, they were they were 11-1. and one, Or I, they might have been 10-1. I, I, I don't know if they, they played 12 games that year and not everybody was playing 12 yet. But their one loss was to USC, where they lost by, like, nine yards, right? I mean, it was yeah. the closest game that, that USC had basically won in that in that run that, that they nearly lost uh, yeah. with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. The Pac-10 has always kind of been thought of as a, a bit of a national afterthought, but USC was above it, and they established that with all these bowl wins, you know, with the Orange Bowl wins and even the Rose Bowl wins, so this is a huge game for them to help shape that narrative moving forward. You win this game over Ohio State, then I think you start getting people talking about, well, USC is above the Pac-12. And they deserve yeah. different consideration than just your regular Pac-12 conference champion. I think it's a really, really important statement that they have to make in this game. It, yeah. They, and and I don't think beating Penn State last year, unfortunately, really did that for them. Um, I, I think that they were seen as being kind of 
on the rise and yeah. back in the mix at large, but not in the elite. I think they no. still have that to climb, and I think they can probably accomplish that with another win over Ohio State. Well, I think the difference, too, from last year to this year, there's a few things that I think last year, even though that was the Rose Bowl and Penn State was the Big Ten champion, there were a bunch of ways that you could argue that game was not nearly as significant as uh, the Rose Bowls in the past. USC didn't win their division, right? So they're not only not the best team in the Pac-12 at the end of the year. They're not the best team in their division. So you could really argue that they're like a top three Pac-12 team last year. I thought they were the best team in the Pac-12, but you could argue they're the top three. This year, there's no argument. They're the best team in the Pac-12. Last year, even though big, Penn State was the Big Ten champion, Ohio State had a better record and got in over them, and they have that name of Ohio State. Yeah. So there is kind of a feeling that USC might not be playing the best team from the Big Ten. There's no argument this year. Ohio State won the Big Ten, won the championship game, and barely got left out of the playoffs. So I feel yeah. like this, well, last year's game, even though it was the Rose Bowl, right, I joked last year that that was the Holiday Bowl North, right? That was right. my thing. You could, you could argue against that game being a huge deal. This game's not the Rose Bowl. It doesn't, it doesn't have that mystique about it. It feels much bigger. Two conference champions. Two teams that were arguing that they should be in the playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Two teams that we feel like, hey, there should be eight teams in this playoff. They should be in the playoffs in an eight-team playoff, and that's what the system should be. This feels like a playoff game, even though the the winner won't go on, right? This game feels much bigger. So I feel like it's way different than last year. And USC, it, it's a huge opportunity. Uh, they're, you know, I mean, in a way, they might be kind of lucky, and 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 I. I, you know, this might not be a popular thing to say because I know they did just win the Pac-12 and they're on this run and people are upset they didn't make the playoffs. But if you had to bet what the eventual outcome for USC would have been in the playoffs, I think it's fair to say that you could, you would, that almost anybody, even the biggest USC supporter, thinks they're the best team in the country right now, would have bet that they would eventually lose. That in those two games, it's probably likely that a top playing a top three team twice based on what they've done this year would have ended in an eventual loss to them. I think the game against Ohio state is a toss up. I don't think Ohio state's clearly better than USC. You know, they have to I prove really that. Don't. That's why this game's so important. Well, they, I get that they, they have to, they prove, have it, to I'm, prove, no, but I'm saying I, I'm agreeing with you. It's all hypothetical. We don't know. And that's yeah. why I, I like that. They're going to get this game because if they would have played Wisconsin, it would have been irrelevant nationally. Yeah. It just would no, have you're been. right. And yep. not to disrespect Wisconsin, because they, they were undefeated until 24 hours ago. But you have to beat Ohio State. This is a beauty contest. I, I don't yeah. like that it is. I'm saying that it should be a, a eight, and that there should be all the conference title winners in the eight tournament. But that's not what we have. We have a beauty contest, and USC needs to win this battle. They, they have to win this game for future pageantry, you know, and, and the opportunity to be in the Final Four. Because yeah. unless they go undefeated right now, I feel like they're on the outside looking in. But you win this game against Ohio State, and let's say it's next year, okay? Because they could be in a conversation next year if Sam Darnold comes back. 
And if USC ends up 12 and one, Pac-12 winner, and I don't, I don't even know who the loss is to. I don't care right now. But they're 12 and one, but they're coming off of well, they 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 won that Rose Bowl the year before, and then they won bowl over Ohio State, the Big Ten champion. We need to see them in the Final Four. We need to see what they would do. Yeah, I think that that's where they they probably would be, even if the Pac-12 is considered to be the fifth best conference next year. I think yeah. that they would get benefit of the doubt if they prove themselves over Ohio State. And that and that's why I'm saying that this game might even be better for them than making the playoffs. And maybe that's ridiculous. Maybe you should always want to make the playoffs, but they could they they have an even matchup with Ohio State, or what seems like an even matchup. And if they beat them, the conversation will be. They got left out. The playoff system's unjust. They got, you know, they they should be in the conversation. They yeah. should be in the conversation. And if they went to the playoffs and lost, there wouldn't be a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you want to be in the Final Four. I I would always prefer yeah. the opportunity totally. to be in the Final Four totally. than you know, like like last year. I heard someone mention like, oh, like this worked out better, you know, winning the Rose Bowl over getting blown out in the Final Four. If you knew that that was what was going to happen if you knew, yeah. right? If you if you were God and you knew this is where that would go and where that would go, then I guess you take the the Rose Bowl win. But because you don't know, I'd rather be in the Final Four. And so now it's about like setting your own path to get into the Final Four. And I think for USC, it's we gotta beat Ohio State. Yeah. And if anybody thinks that these bowl games don't matter for uh, conversation in the future. And I know that people are only supposed to look at the season or whatever, but it really does. It really does matter. You know, well, I feel like yeah, Washington didn't look good versus Alabama last year, even though they actually were not blown out. They lost twenty four seven in a game where they it was they, closer than that till the end. Yeah, and they did a great job defensively, yeah. and we know that their offense isn't very good, and so they were not going to win that game, and yet. They, they, they lost by 17 to Alabama. I don't think there's a lot of shame in that. But ultimately, I think that was held against the Pac-12. That, here, you're number four, and then you get beat up in this game. You know, I, I think that's kind of the... When you look at the score, people just kind of look at the final score. 24-7, yeah. So the Pac-12 doesn't belong. And therefore, we're, we're definitely not admitting a two-loss Pac-12 champion. I think people hold that against them. Yeah. And, and I, again, USC has a problem being in the Pac-12, and therefore they have to distinguish themselves as superior as, as the rest of the conference. Winning it isn't enough. They have to win that bowl game. I think it will even help that they're playing away from the Rose Bowl, not playing in their backyard where they're perceived to have a big home field advantage. Yeah. It's good for them to travel, and now they have to win. Going back to some more examples of these bowl games impacting the playoff committee, Ohio State, or I should say postseason, I should say. Uh, Ohio State last year, right, they fell flat on their face. Uh, there's a history of the Big Ten, right, coming up short in the BCS championship games. Ohio State didn't get in. Why did Alabama get in? Yes, they do have one loss, right? It was to a really good team. But they're Alabama. They show up in the Final Four. Well, that's why they got in is because we know what Alabama is every year. They're always good. That's why they got in. I, I'm pretty sure 
that if you had flipped the two resumes of Alabama and Ohio State, Alabama would have gotten in. They would have been a conference champion, right, with the yeah. loss oh, yeah, to yeah. Oklahoma. They yeah. would have gotten in over Ohio State. It is about what you do now. The reputation. What you do. Yeah. So USC, if they win this game, it gives them an opportunity to make the playoffs next year, which probably has to be aided by Sam Darnold returning and maybe Ronald Jones returning as well. But it will help their case for next year. Yeah. It, it, it's dumb that, like, there's all these different, I think, outside factors that play a part when winning your conference and you should be deserving. You've already been distinguished as a Power 5 conference. And that for, for the Pac-12, apparently that's not enough. So they have to beat Ohio State, whose reputation is pretty strong, although... There's still a gap because, as you pointed out, they didn't make it. If it was that strong, they would have made it. They would have been the number four team. It's still less than the SEC. It's still less than Alabama. Yeah. It, it just tells me that the Pac-12 is buried, basically. Oh, totally. And, and USC, they're they're in trouble. They they really are. They're they're really in trouble being in this conference. Well, let's talk about how buried it is. Ohio State probably has the second greatest reputation among current college football programs. Like if you maybe said, third because Clemson right now is so be, hot. You're right. That's you're right, and that's been a more recent. But that's recent. It'd be Alabama, Ohio State, um, and it, and and it should be USC. But it, it it's probably going to be. Uh, I, I don't even know who would be next. But yeah, it's Alabama. It seems like it's those two, right? It's those two, and probably and USC is probably not there because they went through the sanctions and all this stuff. Because right after two thousand eight, it was like I thought it was USC number one. Clearly, okay, those two. Alabama's reputation is so great that the SEC champion, right? Because they have to be above them. It's like. Though their reputation is so great that the entire conference, by association, right, that next winning team, <coughs> kept the team with the second best reputation over the last twenty years in college football out of the playoffs. That's how great Alabama's reputation is. Isn't that crazy? So that's how buried USC is in all this. That's how buried the Pac-12 is, is because not only does the Pac-12 have a reputation that's worse than like the ACC and the Big Ten and the Big 12, they're beneath this juggernaut of Alabama and the SEC that basically absorbs the whole thing, right? If there's two teams coming out of the SEC, it's over. It's over for the Pac-12, and it seems like we're in a situation where that's the case almost every year, right? It's either Alabama and the team that didn't play Alabama or somebody else won the conference and Alabama's still there. So, yeah, USC is in a really bad situation because Ohio State has the second-best reputation of any team in college football the last 20 years, and they won their conference, and they couldn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a red flag for every other team in college football. It's like, if you're not in the SEC, you don't have a path to the playoffs that's guaranteed. Yeah, you don't have a guaranteed path. You're right. Even Ohio State. Yeah. yeah there, there's so many different scenarios that, that went through my mind this weekend. 
Um, I thought of this one. I want to know what you think. Okay. Okay. Let's say Wisconsin had beaten. These are all hypotheticals, but I, I think it's just interesting to think about. Let's say Wisconsin had beaten Ohio State, and they were undefeated, therefore they'd be in. And you knew that the SEC winner would be in, whether it had been Auburn or Georgia. They were automatic. So that's two right there. And then you knew that Clemson was in with a win, right? Yeah. So that's three. So I actually think Oklahoma would be fighting for number four with Alabama. And let's throw USC in there. And USC's 12-1. and one. Right, like because they had beaten either Notre Dame or Wazoo, so they're yep. they're twelve and one, and Oklahoma's twelve and one, and Alabama's eleven and one, and the three of them would have been fighting for that number four spot. That's just stupid to me. That's just like yeah. it's just too. I just feel like there's there's no right answer, right? It's just all wrong. The whole thing's wrong. Yeah, and we're gonna play this game every year, basically. With the final four. And why? Why leave it up to debate and opinion and controversy when you already have a system with five power fives? Yeah. They don't call it the power five. Because it's not. It's the SEC. No, it's the power one. It, yeah, it's the SEC and everyone else. Yeah. And the only reason Clemson... Is there? We feel like they would be in in that conversation because they beat the SEC champ, or you know, well, one of the they, SEC. They won the national title, division. and the year before they played for it. Yeah, yeah. So they've gotten benefit. So they've of the beaten guy. Alabama and Auburn in recent years. They've so gotten like, the benefit. Oh, they're of good, the guy, right? Over yeah. their track record for the last couple of years. Because let's say they didn't do that. Let's say they didn't play no. Auburn. Yeah, this then, year. then and they let's would say be, last year they went ten and two. They could, they'd be up for grabs too. Right. Exactly. And, their 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 reputation is because they've beaten the SEC. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, think, and then also, would Wisconsin in that scenario, they would be up for grabs too, and they would be an undefeated Big Ten champion, because think about it. They beat Ohio State. That's their best one. Ohio State now has three losses. Oklahoma beat Ohio State, right? And they're in this conversation, and they have one loss. I think that, that an undefeated Big Ten champion probably would have been in the discussion to be left out in this scenario that you present. I think they would have made it, but it would have been a discussion. I think the only two teams that would have been guaranteed would be the SEC champion and Clemson, who's basically been anointed as a member of the SEC, right? You're a part of it. You beat these teams. You play them and beat them. It's the SEC and everybody else. So how do you end that? Expand to eight. Yeah. And they get, and this, this is, they get a tournament. You know why? How many uh, Final Fours has the SEC won in the, in the three-year history? They've won one. Yeah. They haven't won them all. Well, that's the thing, is that the second it, there was even a, a little bit of a door open, it changed, right? All of a sudden, it, there seems like there's more parity, right, with the, with the national champion. I mean, this is the, the situation that we're in. We, we, it used to be every, nobody knew, right? Like, everybody kind of fought over who was the best. We didn't know. But this is before the BCS, right? You went to your bowl game. You won. There were split champions, there were debates, whatever. Then we went to the BCS, and the SEC is given the benefit of the doubt every year and put into every game. That is how they became the best conference, 
by everybody's standard is because every year they went to the national title game to play a team that's record was probably inflated because of a weaker schedule. Think about it. Yeah. They would, it was always the team with the best record versus the SEC because everybody else would have the same record and they would just say the SEC is better. Put them in. Then they want a title. Well, that proves the SEC is better. Keep putting them in. Keep putting them in. So every year you'd get, hey, Ohio State, the Big Ten wasn't that hard. They went undefeated. They're playing the SEC. They lose. Every year. So now we've decided they're the best based on nonsense, based on the fact that, that the SEC was just awarded titles year after year. It's like, it's your title. It's your title. And we gave, we, we made it the standard, right? Because now it doesn't matter if there's a split title because the BCS is one versus two. It's the one, right? It's the one that matters. It's ridiculous. And we're living in a system that is all about the fact that, you know, 20 years ago, we started giving the, B, the SEC the benefit of the doubt of being one of the top two teams every year. And now we're still dealing with that. So let's make it fair. Let's let everybody play. And then let's see if the SEC is still the best. Because like you've said, with four, they've won one of them. Yeah, well, one of three. The, one of three. Well, I'm saying four teams. Four teams. Oh, right. Yeah, when yeah. Well, yeah when they've gone to four two. for the last three yeah. years, they've only won one of those three tournaments. And then and also, it's barely. The, By the way, they barely won two. And the I remember there was the year with Ohio State, Oregon, Alabama, and I'm blanking on the other team. I think it was Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah. Yes. Where if it was the BCS, it would have been Alabama versus Florida State. Right. And there would have been no question about it because they were the teams with the two best records and the right. teams that everybody thought deserved with the reputation it. No reputation, blah, 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 blah. Right. No, they, they would yes. have made it. And the final was Oregon, or, uh, Ohio State. And they, that, team, that was the final game because the semifinal games weren't even close. They weren't. Neither one. Yeah. They were not Alabama even got beat close. Up and Florida State got blown out. Yes, because guess what? We weren't right. Everybody was wrong. This, the records didn't right. matter. But we thought, we knew, we didn't. Yeah. So why don't we have a system that accepts that we don't know? Yeah. That all of this is speculation. Absolutely. And up for debate. And we don't know. And then let's find out. Let's not continue to speculate and just name a champion and speculate that they're the champion. Let's have all the champions play each other and find out. Yeah. It's time. It's time. I think that these players work too hard for it to come down to guesswork. I just think it's completely unfair. Yeah. And if you're that high competitive player, and I know that people pick schools for different reasons, right? It's close to home. It's, it has the education that they want. It's the school they grew up you know, dreaming uh, playing for but if you're if you're really looking at it objectively and you're just all about football and you're just about winning a national championship why would you play anywhere besides the sec you literally go to another school and do the exact same thing and they tell you yeah no you're not even top four you're not even in the conversation yeah for no reason just because we think the sec is better and again it might be i it I'm might not, be, I'm but we don't know. Not, I, I'm saying we don't know. I, I don't care about anyone's opinion, including my own. I just don't want opinions. Yeah. I want to see the teams that are most deserving have an opportunity to play for the title. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because 
I feel like every time I make this argument to somebody that's not a USC fan or outside the Pac-12, it, it becomes like, oh, you think that the Pac-12 is the best conference? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And there's no way to know. It is impossible. Yeah. Like, we're, not tra- yeah we're not trying to determine who's the best conference. That, that, that's irrelevant anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, USC was the best team in the country over a three-year period a decade ago, and they were in the Pac-10, like which yeah. was probably not the best conference. That doesn't matter. That that part of it is irrelevant. It's what happens in the field. But if you don't put them on the field, then we'll never know. Yeah. Okay, it's actually been released. USC's playing Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, not the Fiesta Bowl. Doesn't really mean anything different than the Fiesta Bowl. It's prestigious. USC needs to win it to make a statement. The only difference is that that game is on December 29th at Jerry World instead of December 30th in Glendale, Arizona. USC, you might remember, has played in the Cotton Bowl once before in 1995. Keyshawn and company put a whooping on Texas Tech. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to be back in Texas. And it's actually a uh, another demon that USC can exercise because the last time they were there, of course, they had a rough showing versus Alabama. That's probably an understatement. But then they have to return to Texas next year. It's good for them, I think, actually, to go to Texas rather than Arizona. It also gives Clay Helton an opportunity to prove himself and make a statement versus Urban Meyer, which is something I know a lot of people are going to look forward to and want to see how he handles. It's just a perfect matchup, in my opinion. All right, let's talk about the Pac-12 title game. because Woo, uh, We got there. Yeah, USC did something that we didn't know they would do. And especially a month and a half ago, we thought they wouldn't do. Yeah. They've had a great season. Yep. And I want to make sure that we make that point. Because I don't think they were having one. Okay, even... With a 6-2 record, just the way that they were playing. No, you're right. And They improved tremendously. They, they did. I mean, they beat a really good Stanford team. Not the best Stanford team that we've seen. But they played in, in Stanford's backyard. I just feel like they exercised some demons over, you know, not only the Pac-12 title game, but over the last couple months. Yeah. I, I like the I, way that this team generally has been playing. Um, it, it's always interesting. It's never boring, right? I mean, it felt like they could have blown Stanford out. Um, they, so they don't always play to their potential. I think that's probably the next step for Clay Helton to get his team to play to its potential for longer stretches. Yeah. But I love the fact that when it's the fourth quarter and the game's in the balance – like it has been for, what, nine games this season? Yeah. They won eight of them. The only time that they did not prevail was the Wazoo game in a tight situation. But they prevailed eight times. That's impressive. Yeah. They get it on the road in this one. I think that matters against another good team. So I think they're growing. I think they're learning. I see them building. 
Totally, totally. Um, I I have nothing for but praise for this team right now. I totally understand if if you're you know a USC fan and you're still not sure about the coaching staff or not sure you know if this team met expectations or was everything it could have been. I get if you look back at the season and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I could point to like six games that they could have lost and you know I get all of that. Uh, but they've definitely improved and I've been impressed because. After they lost to Notre Dame, there was no way I could envision them winning this game. Going to the Pac-12 title game and playing another team that's good and winning. And watching that game, there were still, you know, plenty of problems. And, you know, I've complained all throughout the years. Everybody knows that I put out problems. And, you know, the secondary looked at times. I was like, oh, my gosh, why is this happening? I felt like they should have put Stanford away. And they didn't, and it was close, and it was life and death, and it felt like it probably shouldn't have been. But at the end of the day, they made it to the Pac-12 championship game, and they won. They beat Stanford in that game. And after that Notre Dame game, I would have said there's no way that they're going to beat a 10-win team or a 9-win team uh, you know, in a championship game setting, in a tight game, in a, in a back-and-forth dogfight type of game. Yeah. So... Yeah. Hats off to them. They're a lot better than they were halfway through the season. They're not the same team. I just want to see them play with that consistency throughout the year because I want to see what they could be. I feel like the USC, if they played up their, to their potential, could be the best team in the country this year. I really yeah, think yeah, that I, this could have I been agree. the best team in their the country. Their potential yeah. speaks to uh, another level than yeah. when, what they actually show when you look at their, you know, the whole body of work. Yeah, the so potential I'm disappointed. Is nice. I'm disappointed that that didn't happen. I'm disappointed, you know, that, that they didn't have they didn't get to the playoffs and have the chance to show that maybe they were that team, but they grew. They grew. And yes, maybe earlier in the year I thought they shouldn't be this bad. They shouldn't, you know, be this uh immature, I guess in terms of football maturity or whatever where the team should be maturity-wise. But they grew. And they're much better and now I feel like, you know, if if we went if the season continued, if this was the start of the season, that they would have a chance to beat every team on their schedule, and they would have a chance to go to the playoffs, and they would have a chance to be that team that everybody was talking about. Felt like they eventually got there, you know, got to a point that they should be at. It just was a tough path, yeah. a path, a different path, and, you know, maybe not what everybody expected or wanted, but they still won a Pac-12 title. Yeah, we're... Uh... As part of the media covering the Pac-12, we're asked to predict the conference title winner before the season. And on the show, we predicted USC's record, and they got where I thought they would before the season. But they got somewhere I didn't think they would when I looked at them in the middle of the season. And that, that's what I, you know, I chalk up to their their growth, where. They're better, and they can get better. I think that that's a good sign for for Clay Helton, you know, for the Clay Helton era. I know there's still a lot of question marks about him and about the program. They're building it. I, I'm sorry that they're not already where you want them to be yet. You know, I, that's all I can say. But they're clearly building it. This is clearly an upgrade from where they were under Sark and under Kiffin. 
right? And I mean, I think you would acknowledge that. I know you like oh, Kiffin yeah. a lot. You know, I, I, I neither of us were a big fan of Sark, um, but with Kiffin, I, I know that. You know, I mean, Kiffin's doing nice things at FAU right now, but I think you would say right now, Helkin has proven to be better at USC. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the circumstances are completely comparable, and Kiffin had that one really good year, but you're right. So he has been better at USC. But I have to defend Lane Kiffin because uh, you saying that I like Lane Kiffin is probably one of the greatest understatements that's ever been shared on this show. So, <laughs> you know my feelings about Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I love me some Lane Kiffin. Yeah. FAU, baby. So what to you was the the most special moment of the Pac-12 title game. What what do you feel like, um, what are you going to remember about about that game? The fourth down call at the very end. Okay. Because I, feel like, there to are, me that, I feel like there are three different, you know, options here. And I didn't know what you would pick, but okay, that, that's fine. And we're going to talk about all three. So let's talk about the one that you just said first. The fourth okay. down call, USC's trying to run out the clock. Uh, they're in the final minute. And essentially, you know, they could, they're at the, about the 35 yard line. They could attempt a field goal. That's probably option number three. They could kind of do like a squib punch, right? Um, and, and just try to bury Stanford, you know, in which I, I get it. Like, I, th- I thought that's what they were going to do because you don't really believe Stanford will drive the length of the field, you know, within a half a minute. Um, or you could go for it and potentially give Stanford decent field position if you don't convert, but you give yourself a chance to convert and and win the game. Yeah. So talk about so it. This is, this is why I picked it. Is I know that there's a, there are other plays that much bigger plays, much more exciting plays, right, and things that people will point to. To me, it signaled uh, a mentality that from the coaching staff that I loved, which was we're in control and we're going to win it here. I felt like throughout the season I had seen too many times when it was like time to put your, you know, your foot on their throat and end this game. And it didn't happen. And I know that there were only 40 seconds left or whatever. And it was a really close game. It was a three point game, but I liked the idea that, USC said, we're going to end this game on our terms, and we're going to do it. Because I, I honestly, I know that you probably don't think Stanford's driving the length of the field in 40 seconds, but I felt like giving if they had given the ball back, it would have felt like, oh my gosh, here's here it is again. Here's the game that it felt like USC had control of and was the better team and should have won, probably by more. And they've given the ball back to Stanford, and Stanford has a chance to win it at the end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, that's okay. not a great feeling. Here's the scenario. They I want to be. I want to be specific. I, I, you know, I flubbed a little bit. USC was on the Stanford 32. It was fourth and two, and there were 37 seconds left. Stanford did not have any timeouts, and that's why I thought. I know it's only 12 yards to gain if you punt and it could touch back, but even just moving them a little bit, I, I just thought that's what they were going to do. 
I'm not saying I, I think they should have done. That's what I thought they were going to do. Um, it would have been a 49 yard field goal. They, they weren't going to kick that. You know, then you're up six anyway you know, with the field goal, and Stanford could still score a touchdown and win the game. But I thought they were going to do some kind of weird punt. Um, they went for it. I love it. I just yeah. didn't. I didn't even see it coming. No, I, I would have punted. I didn't even. I thought they were going to punt. Right, I didn't even. I don't think know. What, yeah, I don't know what other forward. people thought. I, I was in the field at the time, and so it's all kind of happening fast, and I don't have a great vantage point when I'm down there at field level. But everybody that I've talked to afterward, both in the media and outside, has agreed. They thought they were going to punt. I, I don't know what yeah. what the the majority thought, but just a few people I've talked to, they thought they were going to punt. I thought they were going to punt. Now you thought they were going to punt. Yeah. And you know, I think that all all of these people that I know you haven't talked to many, but everybody's saying that they thought that they thought USC was going to punt, kind of tells me exactly what I was talking about before the coaching staff's mentality. Where I felt like in previous games there were times when it was like time to end this, and it didn't happen. It felt like USC went into a shell, tried not to lose. All of a sudden, it got close again. So this is the complete opposite of that, right? This is this is the opposite of going into a shell. This is hey, this might not work out for us at all, but we're going to do it anyway. And uh, I like that mentality, and it surprised me. And I feel I feel like if it was Pete Carroll, right, if it was his coaching staff, we probably wouldn't have been so certain that they were going to punt. We probably wouldn't have felt like oh, they're going to punt, right? Because Pete was known for doing those kinds of things. So I like it. I like that mentality. It surprised me. It was different. And so that's why, to me, it was the play of the game because it was the, it was the play that was going to decide it. If you get these yards, these few yards, you're going to win this game. And they said, we're going to put it in our own hands, and we're going to win this game. And so to me, that's the play because I think it signals possibly a change in mentality at USC and maybe next year. You know, we see them up by, you know, two scores against an Arizona. And instead of the Wildcats coming back and making it close, maybe right. USC keeps throwing the ball downfield. Or whatever. You know, whatever they're doing that, that was effective to bury the opponent. Yeah. yeah. They continue to be aggressive, and they win those games big. So, to me, that's why I picked that play. Yeah. No, that's a great call. Um, the other two plays that I was alluding to, I think you know, but... The fourth down scan, I mean, it's really a goal line scan, but yes. the, the fourth the fourth down scan um, earlier in the fourth quarter where Stanford had an opportunity to go ahead. And I fully expected them when they were down there and first and goal to get in. Yeah, um, me too. There was that. And then there's right after that where uh, Darnold, you know, from the one-yard line and yep. scanning his end zone – a mid heavy pressure completes the 54 yard pass downfield to Michael Pittman. So between those two, I wasn't picking the, 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 the choice to go for it in fourth down. I'm, I'm looking at the fourth down stand as the play of the year. Um, now maybe the, the going for it in fourth down is the call of the year, but I'm saying you shouldn't the Wilson's tackle, in the backfield on fourth and one from the one is the play of the year. Now, if Stanford scores, it's not like they, they just win the game, right? It wasn't the final play of the game or anything. There's still plenty of time left, and, you know, you have number 14 under center 
or <laughs> I should say in, in shotgun, um, you feel good about your chance to win still if you're UFC. But I think you want to win with defense because you know what your offense can do and what it usually will do. And the fact that they could win with defense against one of the, the best goal line teams in the country for the last 10 years, right? Yeah. Like one of the most respected offensive lines and running attacks that we've seen in the past decade. To hold them in that situation at the one yard line, we never are. I shouldn't say never because I feel like it's been overstated. But USC is not perceived as a physical team by a lot of its own fans, by the media, nationally. You can't play like this and win like this if you're not physical. And I, they, they were seen as that a while ago. You know, I mean, obviously their history would speak to that, going back to the whole, you know, John McKay, John Robinson eras. But but then even under Pete Carroll, they, they, were, they were big and they were bad, right? Even though they were on the yeah. West Coast and they had a Hollywood style, whatever, whatever the, the different labels that were put upon them, we knew that their defense was the anchor. Anybody that really knew why they won national titles and, and why they were in a, uh, you know, a, a BCS Bowl year in and year out, it was because they played great defense. And I don't think people see this team as that. And I don't think that this will change it overnight either. It's still Sam Darnold and Ronald Jones and, you know, yeah. just the USC offense. But... We've known that the defense has been the anchor for the last couple years. And they won this game. Now, they didn't win it alone, but they won this game. And and why this is important is because they're going to need that if they're going to win a national title. Now, maybe they don't need it to win the Pac-12, right? They could probably get by with an okay defense and a lot of offense. But is that what they're here for? No. That's not what they're here for. That's great. Win the Pac-12. Not to diminish what they just did, but I'm just saying, long-term, big picture, the goal is to win the national title. If they were going to win in this Final Four, they would need to play great defense. And that's what I think they're doing. Now, of course, there's still some room for improvement on defense as well. Uh, the secondary was not challenged the way it would be by a lot of other teams. And even then, it had its problems in this game. It's still a problem. I, 50-50 balls are just uh, they're becoming a bit of a nightmare for USC. Like 75-25 balls? Yeah, right. <laughs> you can't even call them 50-50s anymore. Um, and you get you know, into a situation where you're facing a better quarterback or better receivers, yeah. and I don't even want to know what that's going to look like. So there's, there's room to grow. But they did face a, a vaunted running attack 
They give thanks to Bryce Love, who he was quietly very good. But, yeah. but this is a situation where in the past, this kind of back ran all over them, or this rushing team ran all over them. I mean, yeah. just a month and a half ago with Notre Dame, it happened. Yeah. And we saw what Stanford did to Notre Dame a week ago. They didn't do that to USC. So I point to that. I point to that play by Uchenna, and uh, I like single him out. But also, really, the defense as a whole. There were a lot of outstanding performances. Chris Hawkins is playing the best that he's ever played. Uh, I hope this kid gets a a real chance in the NFL. It might be a camp. You know, I don't. I don't know that he'll get drafted, but I hope he gets a chance in a camp because I feel like he's playing at another level that he's ever played at. He's getting better. And that's what matters, right? I, I don't care what he did when he was 19 as a redshirt freshman at cornerback. He doesn't play that position, and he that was three years ago, four seasons ago. It, it, to me, it's irrelevant. So um, I, I hope he gets a, a shot there. Who else? Who else stood out on the defense? Besides Chen and Nwosu and Chris Hawkins? Yeah. Maybe it was more collective. I thought the whole defensive line did. I mean, there were times, uh, even when I saw like a younger guy like Brandon Peely make a play, and I, I just thought that they were kind of, they kind of shut down the run game for the most part outside of a couple big runs. Uh, you know, uh, they slowed it, at least I would say that. I felt like they pressured Costello pretty well. Uh, so I thought I thought the whole defensive front, Looks good. I mean, that's a team that can make your defensive front look really bad. Yeah. And, you know. And they, has in the past for USC. Yeah, and they stood up to them for the most part. Uh, you know, I know that the game was a little bit higher scoring than, like, a total defensive, right, like, kind of football game. But felt like the majority of that game was, like, a tight defensive struggle. And then there were just, like, certain explosions at times yeah. that led to points and drives. So I, I was impressed with the entire USC defense outside of, you know, the corners on certain plays. Right. Well, I mean, this is what you want. You don't want it to be just led by these extraordinary players who, when they leave, because both Uchenna and Hawkins are leaving, then you fall apart. I think a lot of what they do is by committee. And that's another good sign moving forward because they're losing, they're going to lose some pieces. You know, I'm not sure what Cam Smith is going to do um, or Marvell Kell, uh, Biggie Marshall. All these guys can go, right? I'm not saying they should or likely will, but they can go. And this defense is not built around, it doesn't just feature a star. Whereas I thought in recent years that's what we saw. Um, it, it felt like the whole, it was, you know, Leonard Williams and Sua Cravens and everyone else. They basically made all the plays, and if they didn't, then the defense was poor. This one's not built like that. Clancy's defense, I think, is, is more of the depth of the 11. And, you know, maybe one day the depth of of the roster. But at least for now, it, it, it goes 11 deep in terms of everyone has to 
play their part. You know, and I think that allows a Yuchenny Milosu or a Chris Hawkins to finish the play. So, yeah. so to me, that, that's what stood out, that fork-down stand. Um, honorable mention goes to Sam Darnold uh, completing that pass under pressure in his own end zone. I mean, a safety right there would be... <laughs> it, it could be insurmountable because then you have only a one-point lead, but then you're giving Stanford the ball back and pretty good field position, and you're giving them the opportunity to maybe just drive down the field and run down that clock and win the game with either a field goal or a touchdown. Yeah, it would have been bad. And I also I felt like uh, those plays are actually pretty equal to me, the stand and that uh, that throw out of the end zone, because I felt like they both sort of went against what was expected to happen and what usually happens with Stanford, right? Well, all three the, plays. The, all three plays that we well, highlighted were not what we would typically expect from USC. Yeah, well, but even going the other way is, is like, if Stanford has the ball inside the five, they're probably going to score a touchdown. Yeah, first and goal. Hit first and goal. Yeah, versus anybody, and USC stopped it. And then if Stan, if you're up against the Stanford defense – and you're throwing the ball out of your own end zone, you're not completing a 50-something yard pass, right? Like, no, nobody thinks, like, oh, a team's starting on the one against the Stanford defense. They'll march down the field. No problem. What I found really interesting, and I, I spoke to both T. Martin and Tyson Hilton about it afterward, was that they opted to pass at all. Earlier yeah. earlier in that quarter, Darnold had taken a sack, uh, you know, deep, like right right in front of his end zone. It wasn't going to be a safety, but um, it was in the red zone. And uh, or I, I don't know if you call that the red zone when you have the ball in your, inside your own 20, but you know what I mean. And, and he took a sack there that was dangerous. They, and they went back to it. You know, they, they, they go back to the situation, you know, even deeper where they're literally in their own end zone and they allow him to throw. And then he completes a pass downfield. I know Michael Pittman's wide open, but Darnold's been shaky on the deep ball. And we saw that in his game again. We've seen it pretty much during his entire two-year tenure. He completes a beautiful pass downfield to Michael Pittman with people in his face. So these are all things that they kind of had to prove. And they did. And that's why they won. You know, that, that's how you win these games. This game was up for grabs. You know, I realized that USC could have won by more and, and so on, and I, I think that they were clearly the better team. But none of that really... What, the only thing that matters is whether you win it or not, right? Because yeah. with Wazoo, yeah, USC's better than them, and they and they could have won. They didn't play very well. They were banged up, all these different things. But, but none of it matters. The bottom line is did they win. They didn't win that one. They win it, and they win it this time, and they're going to be in those situations moving forward. You know, Clay Helton and his staff, and some of these players, the ones that that are there next year, they're going to be in these situations. Whether it's even just a Pac-12 game or a non-conference game, you know, they're they're, they're playing Texas Notre Dame again next year. They're playing Texas on the road, uh, 
or if they're in a conference title game, or maybe in the Final Four. They're going to be in situations just like these that we've illustrated. They've done it now. They've, they've shown that they can do it. They, they've made the call, right? Whether you're the coach and you make the call, or you're the player and you make the play. They've done it. I think that's very important. I think, um, again, it, it speaks to them moving in the right direction. Right? They haven't arrived, but they're moving in the right direction. And I, I don't know that you can ask for more from Clay Helton. I think a lot of people's issue with where USC is at, really the root of it is they don't want Clay Helton as coach. Right? But that's out of everyone's control right now. He's going to be their coach. So it, working with that, right? There's not going to be any change there. Obviously, then, then it's okay. Are we moving in the right direction with him? Yeah. Yeah. Without question. I mean, he's done. I think he's done much better than anybody could have ever thought he would have done over the first two years at USC. There's no question. All right. Last thing I want to get to. I thought would be fun here before we close out is to make a few predictions on the All-Pac-12 team, which will be announced on Tuesday. And, of course, will include a few Trojans. First thought, I, I fully expect Bryce Love to be the Offensive Player of the Year, and he's deserving of that. But Yuchenny Wosu better be the Defensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. That's my first prediction. Not just that I think he should win it, but that he will. What do you think? I agree. I think if you're if you're looking at it, if you're objective, if and sometimes you know you see some of these uh, all conference teams or who won the award or whatever, and you really think to yourself like, how did they get to that conclusion? So nothing would surprise me. But I, he's done things at Sam linebacker that like I didn't even know you could do. You know, with all these like deflected passes and stuff, I, I don't know. It's just he's 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 unbelievable. He really is. He's one of the better defensive players I think USC's had in a long time. I totally agree. I think he's had an All-American season. I think it's on par with what we saw from Leonard Williams a few years ago and Stuart Craven. Now, I don't think he's on their level as a whole, but I think his season. Is right there with them. In fact, I think he's played his position better than Stuart Cravens did. Which I, I didn't see that coming. I thought he'd have a great year. I thought he could be the best defensive player in the Pac-12. I didn't see him surpassing what Stuart did at the Sam linebacker. I, he's just grown in a way where you wonder what's next. What's this kid going to do in the NFL? Right, I, I think I don't know the ceiling right now. I I don't know where he'll be drafted. He'll he'll probably be overlooked a little bit. You know, he doesn't have that name. He'll probably be looked for overlooked for All American honors. But to me, he had a memorable season and can be like you said, recognized as one of their better defensive players in a while. 
So who else is making this team? Okay, so yeah, that's the defensive player of the year in my mind. From there, I'm not 100% confident, but I think it would be a major snub if Sam Darnold is not the quarterback. I don't see how you can pick another quarterback in the Pac-12 over him. I, I just think, yeah. it, it, <laughs> like, what are we doing here, right? Like, come on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It has, I think it has to be him. So, I don't even think there's much debate about it. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe maybe I'm uh, overthinking it, but I I'm wondering if they're going to put him as a quarterback. I mean, I feel like maybe because a few weeks ago there was just so much talk about Quill Kate and even Josh Rosen that I'm wondering if people are, you know, if if the vote will go to one of them. But I think that he should be a slam dunk at quarterback. Um, yeah. And in, beyond that, on the first team, I would suspect that Rojo would be the next running back with Bryce Love. And then I would hope so. And if Deontay Burnett, because of his production, will likely be one of the receivers. Although, uh, you know, I I don't know. Like, I don't either. I I, 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 I can see how people have different feelings about him. Um, not that he's undeserving, but I, I don't think that it's like clear cut. But I'm guessing that he will be first team at receiver. And then offensive line, I really don't know. I, I kind of never know where they're going to go with that. Um, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if they got one of their linemen on that team, although I don't even know which one. Uh, I wouldn't argue right now, like, this guy has to be on the first team. But they, they might get one. Um, it, they... If they didn't get any on either first or second team, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. I, I really just don't no. know what they're going to do with the linemen. Um, maybe there will be one or two on the second team. That I guess that seems if I were betting, I would bet on that on that happening who, more than who would be on the second team. And if you, because uh, to me it feels like the names of like because they were kind of hurt for a while. So I don't know. It's like it's tough. You know, to really, like, pick out guys that I think would go. Yeah. I, but I don't I don't know the rest of the Pac-12's offensive lines well. No, I, neither do I. I, have, I, I haven't I, been impressed with any of them, really, outside of Stanford, probably. So Because the run game's so strong, I think they'll reward that. I, I mean, definitely the pass protection was a different story than it was a year ago, and I think that's why we saw Banner and Wheeler get re- rewarded a year ago. I mean, they ran the ball well as well, but I think, you know, Darnold only didn't sack six times yeah. last so year. Yeah, like, USC's tackles deserve it. Yeah. Well, that, that made Banner and Wheeler yeah. All-Americans. So this year, yeah. that wasn't the case. Darnold got sacked 21 times. But I think that because they ran the ball so well and Rojo had such a big year that we might see a couple of the linemen get rewarded. I'm thinking, if I had to guess, it would be either of the tackles would be put on one of these all-conference teams. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't think anyone else um, on the offense will be acknowledged. And then on defense, we already mentioned Uchenna. He'll be first team, obviously. And then Cam Smith will very likely be a first team linebacker. 
That might be it for the first team. I would argue... Oh, no, excuse me. Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green will likely be a first-team defensive lineman. And then that, I think, will probably be it. I would argue that Chris Hawkins should be on the first team at safety. I think he'll he'll make it. Like I don't know about first team, but he's I think he's definitely going to make the team. I don't even know that. I don't know that he'll make second team. I, I just feel like there's a, a star power element there and, and name recognition, and you kind of have to like earn your way up. Even you have to make your name by like your sophomore year or your junior year, and then you usually get it the year after. You maybe should get it. Whatever. Now, last year he was honorable mention despite not being a full-time starter. So he does have that. And I think, therefore, has a good shot at making a second team. I just would go above that. And I think he should be a first-team safety. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's been it's been a little bit quiet. You know, the, the hype surrounding him, right? A lot of people haven't been going crazy about him. But he's been really good this year. Well, he, he's good. He's been good almost every game. He, yeah. I mean, he's been between good and great for a few games, and good for a lot of others, and kind of like Uchenna, where like I don't remember games where Hawkins played poorly. No, I can't remember like one instance even where I thought, oh, you know, like he did this wrong or that was on him or whatever. So yeah, I just hope the Pac-12 recognizes that. You want people to be rewarded for what they get. Um, I think a couple other guys have a shot at being second team. Um, I'm thinking maybe Marvel Kell will make that team. Um, Christian Rector, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him because. Yeah, I was about to ask you about that because it seems like he might have made enough noise early. Right. Well, he had a weird right. season, right? I mean, at the beginning of the year, he didn't play a lot. And he took over for Porter, and he exploded. And he was being recognized even more than Yuchenna Nuoso. I remember he was a, I think like a quarterfinalist or a semifinalist for one of these national awards. But then he was a uh, mid-season All-American. Yeah, yeah. So, which <laughs> again, he had done that off the strength of a few games because the first couple he didn't really play that much, and then he got injured. And missed a few games, and now he's been back for a couple, but you know, he's been kind of quiet. He's been dealing with the injury. Even in his last game, he didn't play a whole lot. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. He does have some numbers. You know, he has a pretty nice stack total. He did affect games that he played in healthy. So I could see him being maybe a second team guy. I, I don't. I just don't know. You know, he might be more deserving of honorable mention because, as I illustrated, he he didn't play for about half the year. About half the year, he didn't really impact. But then he had another quarter of the year where he had a high impact and then another quarter where he did play. Um, I could see him making it. And then Josh Faku, I'm not sure what acknowledgement he would get. I could see him being worthy of maybe a second team, um, or maybe he just ends up as an honorable mention. But I think he was maybe a little bit underrated and, and definitely contributed to what USC was doing this year on defense. Am I leaving anybody else out? Nah, 
you mentioned Cam Smith, right? Yeah, I, I said yeah, for Cam. yeah, I, yeah. I think you got them all. Yeah, I think that's gonna be it. Um, I don't know that they'll have anybody acknowledged on special teams. They'll have a number of honorable mentions, but we don't need to go through all of that. Like Tyler Vaughn stands out as someone who produced at a, a second team level when he got to when he was a full time guy. Yeah. But because the first four games he didn't play a lot, um, he probably won't get that recognition, even though I thought at times he actually was a little bit better than Deontay. Who's special teams coach of the year? <laughs> you had to go there. I had to. Do you think uh you think do they have a Pac twelve coach of the year? I know they have a national one. Do they do the conference one? I think they do. Is it Clay Helton then? He probably would get it. Yeah. I feel like it kind of has to be Clay Helton. Yeah. I mean, I think Leach probably was in the driver's seat until they got beat up by Washington. If if Washington State had just made it to the Pac-12 title game, then it probably would have been Leach. But I think because of that, you're going to go with the, the coach of the conference champion. Well, it also seems like uh, some of the other possible Cinderella stories or, you know, coaches that seem to be overachieving kind of fell apart, right? Because Arizona sort of came back down to earth. I think they finished 7-5. and five. So that sort of takes right. Rich Rodriguez out of it. Cal, they looked promising for a minute, but they're nothing special at all. Yeah. So I think that takes Justin Wilcox out. Because yeah, I always like to look at these programs where it's like, Oh, they shouldn't be doing anything, and they are. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the major competition to Clay Helton at USC, because obviously he won the conference title, and you know USC hasn't done that since 2008. It seems pretty obvious, but you'd think, oh, if somebody else you know won nine or ten games and they're at like you know one of these other Pac-12 programs, it's probably them. I just don't see it this year. I think all those stories sort of fell apart. That's probably why the Pac-12 wasn't respected too much nationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it has to be Helton. So. Okay, a couple other awards uh, that we overlooked. They have the Freshman Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year. They do have a Coach of the Year, and I think Clay will get it. Um, I think Stephen Carr could have won Offensive Player of the Year had he not gotten injured. Yeah. That kind of derailed that. But we can see his talent and uh, it's not just potential, it's, it's realized potential. And he's going to be a great player and uh, and different than Rojo. So he's exciting in a different way and you know very interesting player moving forward. But I don't think uh, he would get that award. And then they don't have a freshman defensive player of the year candidate either. Interesting. Okay, a couple things to know. USC is not practicing this week, and I don't know when yet they will return to practice, but it might be a few days because they are in the midst of finals. Because of that, it might be about a week and a half before they return to the practice field to begin bowl prep. But we plan to record another show next week. We're probably going to be looking at the over-unders, we had run down a number of them before the season, and uh, we're going to go through that list and see where we were right, where we were wrong, and kind of speak on 
where USC maybe fell short or they exceeded expectations and, um, and, you know, in terms of team things and individuals and everything. So we will have another show coming up. I'm sure there'll be other things to talk about. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, be sure to, to check back with us, you know, throughout the week because while USC might not be playing football at this very moment, Trojansports.com never stops. It's never quiet. There's still a lot of recruiting to can do. I know that Chris Swanson intends to make a trip to Modern A to uh, have a you know have an update on on JT Daniels and see where that's going because there's a lot of talk about reclassification. Uh, we have reported on that, and uh, we're still looking to get a definitive word on what's really happening there. Excellent show. I'm just taking it. I'm just taking it. We're ending now. So, uh, as always, thank you so much. Again, I apologize for uh, causing everybody to miss possibly the most important show of the year, the the Pac-12 Championship Preview. I was very sick. It will not happen again. I was actually sick for so long that uh, Connor filled in for me after UCLA. Actually, I've been sick for a while. So, won't happen again. You will never get sick again. I apologize. I will never get sick again. But, hey, you know what? You ended up with this... uh, more than two hours, nah, I think, at this point. No, we're not there yet. Not quite. But a very good show, a very long, dense show. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you have not signed up to Trojansports.com, please get over there and sign up. It's usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up. You'll get all this great content from Adam. You get to hear from me. I'm not that annoying on the message board, I promise. I save it for the show. So as always, thank you, and uh, we hope to see you on the website. Take care, everybody.